Hello and welcome to another episode of Tap Calf Transmissions. My name is Justin, joined as always by my co-host Corey, and today we are discussing for the first time on this podcast a comic book as we look at probably one of the most controversial pieces of Star Wars Legends Media, the uh, Dark Empire trilogy, and today specifically Dark Empire number one. Corey, how are you doing? Wait, we weren't supposed to read Legacy this week? Oh, you read all of them? Yeah, no. That, I've, we were just doing that for fun. That's Crap. just Yeah, those are just for I, our personal conversations. Shit. Okay, <laughs> uh, I, I'll wing it. Okay. I've seen Rise of Skywalker, so it, it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that'll be a big uh, discussion point for today's video, I think. Before we get into the uh, nitty-gritty, though, do you want to do a quick checkup? We don't talk outside of these um, podcasts every two weeks, no, so... No, no. <laughs> uh, we we really, like, I think we do a good job of hiding the fact that we really don't like each other on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, we're, ba- we're basically like the, the Star Wars Mythbusters, where there's like, That's a exactly small amount of say. mutual respect, but well, beyond that... Uh, yeah. Or what, Penn and Teller, I think, are like that way as well. No, they're they're actually friends though. Oh, okay. They it was more but, like but only one of them speaks. But we're yeah, but we can talk more about other famous like other famous duo. We're a very famous duo ourselves. Yes. But uh, yes, that, that's for with... our other podcast uh, <laughs> pals of the. I I didn't think of a second word there. We get the point though. Um, but yeah, what's what's going on? In your life, is there anything big that's happened re- recently that you'd like to talk about on the podcast? Well, we for those of you who play Empire at War, we did release a new Clone Wars mod for it, Father Republic, which uh, Mr. Eckhart's Ladder has uh, has posted a trailer for on his channel here, so you may have seen that already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's basically been most of my life for the last four months, so it, it's going to feel nice to have some uh, some free time again. Do you want to like do this every or every week now? <laughs> do you want to talk about like your history with Empire War? Because I mean, a lot of people probably don't even know what the game is, or that there's like this big modding community. So, in like thirty words or less, can you summarize? Uh, <laughs> Empire at War strategy game, Star Wars, two thousand six. That's where I was going to. Yeah. Um, I've modded it since then. Uh, I'm trying to stay under 30 words. That, you, I think that was you, close. You can go. You can just free fire at this point. You did so well. Okay. Well, basically, it's a Star Wars strategy game from the mid 2000s that uh, has a very active modding community, and it's something that I've modded since I was like 13 or 14. Uh, if you are interested in Star Wars strategy games, that's kind of the place to go right now. Yeah. Hopefully, in the future, there'll be some more options as well. But probably not. Uh, I can't go wrong with it right now. <laughs> Yeah, and so you, your first mod, well, was, Thrawn, was Thrawn's Revenge actually your first mod? For, at least yeah, for Empire so, War, yeah. Yeah, so the the mods we're doing right now, Thrawn's Revenge and Fall of the Republic, are the same mods we started back in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, we took about 10 years off from Fall of the Republic before coming to this release. But, uh, but yeah, so there's there's a lot to, a lot to play. Mm-hmm. So the release was like... We're recording this on the 23rd. The release was like almost 24 hours ago, like 20 hours ago, yep. uh, midnight. So you're pretty happy with uh, how things are looking and whatnot? Yeah, so far it's been going pretty well. No super major issues outside of the first five minutes, which is nice. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, no fire, no major fires to put out, which is 
always nice and response has been really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people seem to be enjoying it so far. There's going to be a lot of updates coming. So uh, any small bug, like most of the bugs we've seen have been relatively minor. Uh, So overall, I'm really happy, you know, being able to sleep. That's good. You won't have to issue all those refunds for the free mod. Which is a joke you keep asking for. Yeah, I make that joke like three times a stream, but I'm assuming this is a somewhat different audience, so I can still make it. Um, That's true. Yeah. Uh, Other than that, any any big news in the Star Wars universe you want to talk about before um, we get into this? this, uh, Because I think this episode will be a little bit shorter. Um, There's a lot less content to cover. Yeah, there's... uh... I think there was another Clone Wars related trailer that came out beyond just the Fall of the Republic one. Oh, have right. You, have you seen that? I have. I, I'm, I don't know if you keep up with Star Wars news, so. Yeah, I mean, I've got like a Google uh, notifications thing that I check like once right. a week. Um, but no, I was never a huge, like, when I was, when the Clone Wars was first coming out, I think like a lot of people, I kind of wrote it off as a kid's show. Um, mm-hmm. The animation didn't do it many favors and same with rebels certainly um but i kind of went back and watched most of it later and i really liked it but i was never and i'm still not like a a hardcore clone wars fan i've seen mm-hmm. every episode probably but i'm not one of those people who rewatch it every year or whatever um but the the later seasons especially are really phenomenal stuff so i mean the, the trailer was great i mean we kind of know i think mostly what's going to happen but the uh the strides they made like animation i think are really noticeable not only from like when the series came out um and i mean there was animation progression within the series but even from the uh, star wars celebration trailer i noticed some improvements so yeah i'm excited looks good i wish it's kind of a bummer that's one last season but do you think some of the stuff that we've seen like hinted at before during its uh its years off is Mm going to come in so like the i think one of the most famous things for that is like the the bane and revan scene uh especially now with uh the visual dictionary for episode nine pointing or referencing Mm -hmm. like revan bane and a bunch of other older sith from legends do you think that's something that's gonna um whether that explicitly i'm not sure i mean we do know that like because with the deleted epi- or the unfinished episodes, they were released. Um, so we've seen a lot of what's coming in like incomplete form. Yeah. Um, but regarding the Bane and Revan thing, that's interesting. I, I would hope that they would take some time to um, kind of dig deep into that stuff and kind of make some lore connections because it's interesting. The Clone Wars is like one of the major sources of disney star wars lore or like the new eu lore but it was basically finished before the new eu really started yeah so now they have a chance which is kind of cool to like bring in some stuff that they couldn't before because it didn't exist like in the trailer you can see uh caleb dune uh with his master uh kanan from rebels and that's pretty cool um so hopefully there'll be some other connections like that i don't think we're gonna get the uh the Yuzhan Vong warrior that apparently Dave Filoni or someone scribbled on a napkin and everyone was like, yeah. the Yuzhan Vong are coming in the next season confirmed. <laughs> well, what about if there's like a scene uh, where Anakin walks into Palpatine's office and he just like quickly hides a piece of paper in his robe <laughs> and you can just see a scribbling of a Zeiston <laughs> on it? That would be fine. Uh, or uh, there's some graffiti that says Mara Jade lives. 
or uh, <laughs> Pablo Hidalgo put it there himself. No, I, I just it's it was really brave of them to have the first episode mentioned uh, a search for Joris Sabayoth. Like that would be. Uh... <laughs> Whatever He's a character that guy? who really needs to be brought back in. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, w- it would have been really cool because, like, the Clone Wars, even when Legends was canon, the Clone Wars really didn't incorporate a lot of Legends material. Yeah. Well, um, uh, it referenced a lot of it, but it was, like, a lot of it was George Lucas's ideas, so mm-hmm. there were certain things that he was more yeah. interested in just, obviously going his own direction with but there was like quinlan Voss was yeah that's true like a lot of the characters were actually things that a lot of the characters locations were things that mm-hmm. uh came in from legends before or other sources beforehand yeah. i i hate calling it legends before because it just adds to the perception that the clone wars is not part of the legends continuity mm-hmm. which it very much is but yeah i mean George, like, uh, it, it seems like he, he was going to tell whatever story he wanted to tell, and like, mm-hmm. he was totally okay with you know contradicting stuff or ignoring stuff. But he did like, um, you're right. When he saw references to something that he liked, like we get Coruscant in the prequels or Quinlan Vaz, um, and there are other examples. He definitely wasn't afraid to uh, to use it. Yeah, it's kind of like whatever. bringing Coruscant itself into yeah, exactly. the prequels where like, I I don't see any of the contradictions being anywhere near as big as the ones we got between uh, the previous depictions of the of the prequel era mm-hmm. and then the prequel itself. No, you're right. But, or the prequels themselves. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're right. It's just there's a lot there's just a lot in that series i think it was paulo who said that like the clone wars is like the most star wars content that george lucas contributed to just in like pure minutes so like yeah. if you really want to understand um like how he saw the universe what his visions or what his vision for the universe was um then that's probably a good place to look yeah have you seen the uh, the new apparently leaked uh, script for, uh, for Trevorrow's episode nine now? Yeah, I've I've seen some of the uh, broad overviews of it and like the some of the responses to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, did what what do you think? What are your? I mean, it it almost writes or it almost reads sort of like fan fiction just because. Like, I didn't read through the whole thing because, I honestly, I don't really care at this point. Um, and we don't know, like, what stage that was in, what draft it was, like, what, how yeah. far in they were. But, I mean, there were some cool parts. Like, there was mention of going to Kuat. Um, there was going to be a lot of time sent on, or spent on Coruscant, which, is, which I would have really appreciated. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it would have been a nice connection to the prequels. Um, and then today, like, I have no idea how this is happening, but a bunch of concept art for that also leaked as well for the older version of episode nine uh some of it's pretty striking like there's a lot of stuff on coruscant there's like a big first order like it looks like a mega star destroyer parked over the planet did you see those no they're pretty cool um like my thing with uh with a lot of leak scripts for like any project has always just been the 
it, there's so many more there's so much more room for people to fill the gaps with what their own ideas of what it would end up being like are totally. So when people hear, Oh, there would have been Kuat or whatever mm-hmm. else, Mortis, they're going to fill in those gaps. And it's not like they, they ultimately end up with an idea that like, Oh, this would have been so much better when really you don't know mm-hmm. what it like. There's individual things you can say you would have appreciated, but for like, I, I generally caution people against, uh, playing too much of like what could have been mm-hmm. because had that happened and then had certain plot beats for uh rise of skywalker come out is like oh they they could have remade dark empire this would have been fantastic yeah exactly and so it it's like there's always yeah it's like the grass is sort of always greener yeah um, anything that leaves room for people's own wish fulfillment to mm-hmm. kind of fill the gaps what they think they're going to get uh, it kind of plays into the same thing that nostalgia can do Absolutely. where you get this vague idea of like what you think you want. And then it, you don't really know if that would have been uh, actually better or worse than yeah. uh, in final execution, especially with like concept art, because that's basically always like concept art is like the most pure idealized version of a concept. Um and there's always like yeah. feasibility issues or it like, you know, concept art is almost never fully realized. Interestingly, with episode eight, if you look at the art book for that, the concept art that like Ryan Johnson had made basically matches scene by scene what happens in the movie. You compare that with like what JJ did, for example, with episodes seven and nine. And if you look at the concept art for those books, he mm-hmm. basically, it seems like um, he had less... Not that he had less... Well, yeah, he had less of a vision because, like, it's pretty clear when you watch a Ryan Johnson movie, like, I just watched Knives Out, he clearly has a vision, whether you like the movie or not, and he he knows what he wants to do and he executes it fully. Um, it seems like J.J. was more of the type of guy who would have kind of a, a theme he wanted, like uh, Red Star Destroyer. That's one that he wanted explored for Episode Seven. So he's like, okay, to the artists who... You know, this, the Star Wars, like the, the Lucasfilm artists are among the most talented, period. Um, so he's like, okay, Red Star Destroyer, give me ideas. And then he kind of, it seems like he works off that based on what I've read yeah. from the, the art, Episode 7 art book. Yeah, and I think with JJ, what ends up coming across a lot is that you see all this excellent concept art in ships that would have been really cool. Mm-hmm. But the... In the end, it seems like he was just so afraid from straying away, from, or not even necessarily afraid, it's just he was so attached to uh, certain things from the original trilogy mm-hmm. that he tried to just like lift them out wholesale mm-hmm. and was didn't want to stray too far from that, where that's kind of how you end up with a Zeiston being an 800-meter longer Star Destroyer <laughs> with the underslung cannon, rather Large than just, like, just make a different ship for that, JJ. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That was disappointing, too, because there was some kind of wacky planet killer ships they made or they they had concept art for from episode seven and a lot of stuff um from the episode nine or from episode nine you can actually find in the force wagons art book there's something that looks a lot like exegol there's at least like a pretty barren planet with a you know like some sort of large structure floating uh lando lando's vehicle his like his tank like his crawler thing uh on pasana that's like directly out of the episode seven art book and i think the the triangular ties are there in some way too um so yeah 
Yeah, it's it's something that JJ does with everything where mm. it's weird that he ended up being the director to this. Like, it's not weird on a certain level because it's clear that he loves these properties yeah. or certain aspects of these properties. And that mm-hmm. tends to be what he tries to emphasize both with uh, Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah. But like a, something that he runs into with uh, the Star Trek fan base is more that uh, things like TNG and just Star Trek as a property used to be a bit more about being like cerebral philosophical mm-hmm. whereas to jj he cared more about uh the visual aspects of it yeah. so there are some complaints within that fan base for how he took the franchise that way but the it he latches on to certain parts of them and it it to me it just feels like he's more of a fan mm. than should be necessarily making the continuation of those franchises yeah no, i know and I honestly, I've never been a huge fan of anything mm-hmm. uh, of any of JJ's work. Like, I don't dislike it. It's just it's never been uh, stuff that I've been into. So, yeah, like, I'm kind of surprised that they couldn't find a way to make George Lucas's original vision, like, workable under JJ as like a director or under somebody else as a director. Because it seems like, based on like what Bob Iger said afterwards, that Lucas wanted them to use his story treatments and he was disappointed when they didn't so like i'm kind of surprised that they didn't you know keep with the the maker and you know big george himself and then have you know control for those more uh questionable uh lucas acts aspects that some people don't like Mm -hmm. and then you know you've got the whole thing it's like oh this literally was a singular vision for nine movies and we've got episode nine it feels totally like the actual end of a of a big saga but like and then maybe jj could have directed episode seven um and then he could have because the directing for the that movie was great the pacing especially for the first like 40 minutes is phenomenal um mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh like a few lucasfilm employees uh have said like a lot of a lot of ideas from george's drafts did end up in the movies mm. Uh, but kind of restructured. So really yeah. without... Like, it, it's hard to know exactly what was used and what wasn't and which elements George was upset about being included mm-hmm. or not or which changes George was upset about. But yeah. Uh, Thankfully, today we're talking about George Lucas's original vision for the sequel trilogy. <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, everyone knows every part of Legends was what George Lucas wanted. Uh, <laughs> he actually personally wrote Dark Empire and the Thrawn trilogy. Can you imagine how mad people would be? Like, you know, there's no Disney bio. Lucasfilm announces a new movie. It's called something like vague enough to get the Legends fans excited. Like, I don't know, The Force Awakens. Um First trailer, it's Luke as a hermit. Jason and Jaina don't exist anymore. Some girl named Kira. Oh, man, people would have been yeah. really like, upset. I, my, my biggest thing is, like, anyone who thinks if Disney hadn't bought Star Wars and George had made a new trilogy, that it would have meant the continuation of Legends is no. The best thing that could have happened for Legends is what happened where it gets mm. split off. And then hopefully at some point the stories get continued. Yeah. But... There, there was there was zero chance, absolutely zero chance, that they were ever going to turn any of the Legends expanded universe into movies. Well, 
in the TFA art book, uh, George apparently really liked the design of um, oh, it's Darth Talon. Do you know her? The yeah. uh, the red twilight. Yeah. So if you, I don't know if you've read the TFA art book, but there's a bunch of scenes with just Darth Talon in there, <laughs> and it's like George really liked the design. <laughs> it's like she's like a half naked red twilight. <laughs> Yeah, there, there are elements that George Lucas liked, but that doesn't mean he. Oh yeah, he didn't like the character; he just liked the design. Yeah, um, she's gonna be like a Jedi <laughs> <Yeah>. seductress. <sighs> yeah. All right. Uh, you want to get into some some dark empires? Shall we? Um, and there's a new element to this podcast because we have not only text to discuss, but also art. Um, That's true. And from what we talked about beforehand, it seems like you're not super big on the art. Uh, no, it's so it's not that I'm not super big on the art. It's there's one aspect of the art of Dark Empire mm-hmm. that I really do not like. The rest I like. The, the and that is Luke Skywalker's design. Oh, just Luke's. Okay. Um, and yeah, Cam Kennedy was like one of like a very prolific artist during this time. Um, and they kind of fucked him around with Dark Empire 3. Uh, or Empire's End, and he was like, nah, I'm not going to do this. And that those books really suffer, but I, I, I think you're right. The the faces probably leave a bit to be desired, but it's a very, like, the, the art is very strange. It's like watercolor, um, at least watercolor style. It's very, like, almost dreamlike sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like... Um, I like the overall style. I think it fits together really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, like most of their faces, I I'm fine with. Uh, they are probably the weirder part overall. Mm-hmm. But just Luke does not look like Luke. No, he doesn't. If you showed me a picture of Luke, I would not be like, oh yeah, that's that's Luke. Like the uh, the last is it the no page. Thirty, I think it is, where he's like of Dark Empire one uh, issue of one, Dark Empire one, uh, where he's like they're walking away towards the Millennium Falcon, and he's looking into oh, the yeah. camera with R two beside him. His eyes are yellow, that aren't they? Doesn't look like Luke. To, like there's no frame in which it looks like Luke to me. Yeah, and I think I'm one hundred percent convinced that they had a different design for Luke initially. Mm-hmm. Then they did Mon Mothma's and decided that they look too similar. <laughs> Because every time I saw him on Mothman, this is like, oh, they fixed Luke's. Did- nope. Yeah, that, that's funny because you mentioned that the other day when we were streaming. Uh, and I thought you were just joking. But then I was rereading a bit of it before today. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, that is a way better Luke than Luke. So, I mean, conspiracy theory could be right. I don't know. Um, what do you? I, th- I think the ships, though, work really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, like the... I don't know. There's just a, a very cool aspect. Like they and like he just makes so many ship types that you know they're imperial because they look like a star destroyer, but they're just yeah. they're different, and it kind of gives like a good skit, like a good sense of like how vast these um, imperial fleets are and whatnot. Uh, the color does get to be a bit like, or like the lack of color, I guess, does get to be a bit like almost overwhelming at times. Yeah, if, um, I feel like if these were longer, I would have been very depressed by the end of yeah. them just because of the color. Yes. But I, I I think it's really good for the tone they're going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, like visually, the series does, like it, it gets across what it wants to mm-hmm. really well. It's just 
it is such a dark series yeah that like you just want to cry a little bit by the end <laughs> oh you mean after impotigeo's brand um rest his soul after he passes on to the netherworld of the force. Yeah, I th- we shouldn't sleep on this. This is a theme that has been going on since the beginning of Tapcalf, where Empodigeo's brand has come up every single episode. Yep. Yep. And his his time is almost here. He's not He's in this guaranteed, issue. Yeah, next. He's not in Dark Empire, Dark Empire one, 2, yeah. But he, we're getting to him. And then we're never we're never talking about him again. No, I'm, ta- I'm talking about him every episode still. Nope, never talking about him again. All right. Well, he needs to... We need to let him let him rest. He's carried this podcast for like <laughs> 15, 16 episodes. I don't even know what episode we're on. Yeah, I didn't even include it in the title. Also, did my title get messed up? I think we did. How Palpatine returned in Star Wars Legends: Dark Empire Explained Part One. Okay, yeah, that would be right. Um, <laughs> that's a fun little uh, in- insight for the podcast listeners only. Um. Do you want to talk about like the kind of out of universe stuff? Because I think that that's really fascinating. How sure. like the jostling between Dark Empire? We've kind of alluded to it when we did the Thrawn trilogy, and yeah. we can also talk about the the in universe timeline because there are there are actually no books between Thrawn and Dark Empire, right? I think that's correct. It I, there may have been something. Because, like, I don't think uh, I started Revenge is... That's afterwards, isn't it? No, that is afterwards. Yeah, and then it's Jedi Academy, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, like, as far as... Is Chris... No, there there was... Uh, is Tatooine Ghost before or after? Isn't it before? I think I started Revenge is after uh, Thrawn Trilogy and then Dark yeah, Empire. I think Tatooine Ghost is before Thingy. Okay interesting um but yeah i mean it's it's kind of a little weird because the universe changes so friggin dramatically (laughs) and it's in like months uh the dark empire source book does like a pretty good job of trying to tie it together but ultimately these were like basically we've talked about this before but dark empire and the thrawn trilogy were both basically options for the expanded universe to go in i guess depending on which one was more popular um and obviously the Thrawn trilogy won, um, and I'm thankful it did. So Dark Empire ends up being mostly just like a little very strange blip on the radar that's almost never referenced, despite the fact that it's like a whole galaxy-changing uh, event. Well, didn't... Uh, I think a lot of it just had to do with the contracts that Bantam and Dark Horse would have had, mm-hmm. and the extra amount of effort and money that goes into comic book production compared to right uh compared to books because like if you look at the corellian trilogy mm-hmm. uh which many people would suggest you don't <laughs> uh the introduction to the book or like the dedication to it is the author basically saying like i wrote this in two months i'm not sure how i did it it was on a train here <laughs> have fun guys mm-hmm. uh and just the amount that bantam could put out relative to to Dark Horse seems to have been a big factor in that. Yeah. But there was some definite uh, mudslinging between Bantam and Dark Horse. Yeah. Um, You're right on the time, Especially between though. Timothy Zahn and yeah. Dark but. You're right on the time, too, because I didn't realize there was like three issue or three months between each issue of Dark Empire 1. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not long comics. They're, they're pretty standard for comic length. But I, th- I think, like, yeah, one came out in... Be like January and then March or whatever. So, um, 
so yeah, it does take a long time. And then I think Dark Empire Two didn't come out until ninety four, like the like this the second set of issues. I don't think that came out until ninety four. So it definitely did take some time. Um, so what happened too? It's it's interesting because when you read the comics, at least the ones that I have, they've got the the crawl beforehand. And then at the end, there's like, does yours have like the notes sort of like it'll have like a, a topic of each issue, some no, key facts? No, mine just cuts off at the uh, at the last page. Okay, so mine has like, for example, from Dark Empire four. Um, it's got mm, four pages or five pages of just kind of lore, and some of it's really cool. Like when Vima Devota comes up, it gives all her backstory and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the interesting thing is. That is like there's Thrawn trilogy stuff in there, yeah. uh, and in the crawl too. There's a bit of Thrawn trilogy stuff. So what I get, what happened, I'm I'm pretty sure, is like you've said, Timothy Zahn just didn't want to include anything in Dark Empire and his stuff because he didn't like it. So Thrawn trilogy came out first, um, but it was too late to really alter Dark Empire in a meaningful way. So what they really just did was um, put it in the the crawl and then in the the stuff at the end yeah like dark Emp- the dark horse definitely uh blinked first mm-hmm. so like you you do get a few nods towards events of the Thrawn trilogy in even dark empire one where it's like uh very vague mentions of the twins uh, of the twins like yeah. oh, they're off on new alderaan that's why no one's ever seen them mm-hmm. but it's also clear that like they were developing their stories independently mm-hmm. And like, cause we're on Coruscant and they try to imply that it's like the first time that we've been there, mm-hmm. uh, or that it's at least been constant fighting cause Palpatine is upset about them being on Coruscant. It's like, well, we've been here for <laughs> several years, buddy, get used to it. And they always call and, themselves the rebellion, not the new Republic. Yeah. I don't think they just say new Republic once in the whole comic series. Well, they also, uh, there's a very brief rundown, I think in the first text crawl, uh that gives a very different depiction of galactic events yeah. since the uh basically had the empire like the new republic winning pretty quickly and then the empire slowly regaining strength um, yeah so like the within a, a let like a, i think it's like within months that they try to imply uh like right after endor the rebels have controlled now mm-hmm. three quarters of the galaxy and then it was slowly being encroached upon back into they're the rebels again mm-hmm uh and controlling small amounts of territory yeah whereas we kind of see the opposite in uh in the rest of legends but you know where we do see a very similar story to what dark <laughs> empire implies the entire sequel trilogy operation cinder <laughs> yeah i mean there are there are so many similarities between episode nine especially but really the entire sequel trilogy and i think they'll kind of be a running theme that we talk about throughout these three episodes but it's really crazy because basically it's all the New Republic gains control and then they're pretty quickly destroyed by an Imperial fleet. Um, they become the Alliance again, just like the Resistance kind of becomes the last remaining elements of the New Republic. Um, Palpatine emerges from an unknown place with super weapons and, you know, he's got new guards and he's got, you know, we realize heavily on the dark side of the force and he wants to make a new empire. It's like on and on and on. 
Okay, I don't think you can really, if you're trying to make parallels, throwing in that Palpatine relies heavily on the dark side of the Force is one you can... <laughs> well, I mean, what I mean is he, he relies on dark side technology more than like... Mm-hmm. Like the Empire, you know, it's mostly military might, but the Dark Empire, all of his super weapons are like imbued with the dark side. He's got these... Uh, yeah. The, these dark side adepts running around... Um, and it's especially if you like look into the like how the essential guide to warfare treats it and how the um dark empire source book treats it which makes it fit in with the thrawn trilogy i guess it's basically right when thrawn dies um palpatine or the the empire sort of comes together uh and launches this massive invasion against the new republic uh then it's later revealed to be empire after they all kind of turn on each other in order to try to establish dominance. So there's like a bunch of Imperial, or the Empire comes together, they just launch a, launch a massive blitz on the galaxy, and then they basically fall into civil war because they can't decide which arm, whether it's Compnor or the Navy or whoever, um, should run the new em- Empire, basically. So they kill each other, and that's kind of where things start. Yeah. And then Palpatine's revealed. So, uh... um, I also I'll just mention too. I've been listening to the audio production for uh, Dark Empire alongside reading the comic. I know some of you guys were probably like, "Oh, he always listens to the audiobooks," but this is a comic. <laughs> gotcha. There's still an audio book. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an audio production, so it's a little different. There's no narration. It's everything is from. Uh, the character's mouths like a like a, a play um, and that was created after the Thrawn trilogy so when they're on Coruscant for example they're like oh we're back in the Imperial Center I never thought we'd lose it so quickly um, and there's a lot of interesting information so the comic starts off basically with Luke and Lando had a Star Destroyer they were taking it to I don't know if it ever actually says why they were going to Coruscant I think to do a, a hit and fade attack on whatever Imperial forces were there, but then it eventually crashes. Um, the audiobook actually starts off with Luke digging through the Imperial Palace, trying to find, basically, Palpatine's old records, which I guess he couldn't find when they actually controlled the palace. <laughs> um, and then he finds them, and it's like Palpatine is frustrated because he can't make a holocron. And it's kind of a weird way to start, but kind of cool, I guess, well, as well. What actually happened is that when they took back the Imperial Palace, they got to Palpatine's office and there was a do not disturb sign on the door. <laughs> so like, they didn't know who put it there. They were afraid it was like Mon Mothma's new office or something. So just no one went in. It was Mon Mothma it, thought it was Bell Iblis's. Bell Iblis thought it was Mothma's. <laughs> that's why they didn't speak for so long. <laughs> he was actually offering the galaxy. Uh, that's, that's, you know, reasonable. That's as, as likely a scenario as any other. But, but another big character difference we get is that uh, Lando and Han are uh, probably how the comic intended it, still generals, mm-hmm. whereas the way it happens in the books and with the, like further retcons, they resign their commissions, but now they're back. Yeah. Uh, but Lando and Han, or Lando ends up in command of a Star Destroyer twice with Luke, and Akbar seems to be very fond of Han and Lando, which yeah. is uh, very different. Also, it's like Wedge is second in command on his Star Destroyer. And if, if, if I were Wedge, I'd be a little pissed off. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Lando's commanding this thing. <laughs> like You guys have been gone forever. 
I didn't even want to be in fleet command. <laughs> now here I am working for you. Basically. Um, but the audiobook also talks I do talks like how they about... highlight that, like, oh, I, maybe I just shouldn't have a Star Destroyer after Lando <laughs> crashes his second one. <laughs> or not crash. It gets eaten by yeah. the world devastation. He's like, I'm but... probably not cut out for this. <laughs> um, and yeah, there's clearly a reference to, because uh, he asks Han if Han wants to fly it. That's clearly a nod to Solo Command, which would come out later. Because he's like, oh, I know Han has experience captaining large ships. I'm sure he'll be fine at it. Yeah. A little bit of fortune telling there. But one thing that's cool about the audiobook is it talks about how uh, Luke actually lands the Star Destroyer on Coruscant. Um, he kind of like uses the force to do a nice landing, very much like uh, Anakin would do uh, in Revenge of the Sith. A scene recreated so so well and so unfrustratingly by <laughs> by uh, the Force or Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed. <laughs> yeah. Basically. Um, and Leia's like, she's like, if I know Luke, he probably took that Star Destroyer down on as many Imperials as he could. Like, that does not sound like a very Jedi thing to do. <laughs> Coruscant's a fully populated planet. <laughs> Han, remember the Gorman Massacre? I think my brother likes doing that. <laughs> yeah, like... Uh, that is when Tarkin landed a shuttle on a crowd, basically, so... It's like that. Just a way more, more tidbit for people. But I just imagine, like, all the... Just like all the fuel and the fumes and stuff just leaking down into the Undercity. There's like a whole generation of like creatures born with extra legs and shit now. Not cool. <laughs> Did Luke go like back in time and land on Terrace and cause the whole rat ghoul issue? I think that's actually what happened, yes. Yeah, I think that's that's basically it. Uh, well, there is a... There is a comic that deals with rat ghouls, and oh, I forget what it's called. It's like the ancient amulet. Oh, I can't remember. Have you ever read those ones? I can't remember what comic line not. it is now. Was it the Republic line? It was like a crossover because it goes modern. And then, oh, I can't remember any of this. This is, oh, it's got some Mekuduru stuff in it too. It's really, I can't remember. The Mer amulet. Yes, thank you. Um, I can't remember what comic that was from. I read that ages ago. Or Talisman. Uh, appearances. Oh, oh yeah, it was in Legacy. Right, okay. So it did like uh, uh, the Kodor comics and then back in the Legacy comics. And basically it could mm. turn people into rock ghouls, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cash money. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so they, they show up on... Coruscant, there's a massive, you know, destruction everywhere. The Imperials have been hammering it out amongst each other. Um, speaking of, did you see the Dark Empire animation? Did I send that to you? Yeah. Yeah, I saw the first part of it. It's pretty cool, eh? Like, they capture the art style mm -hmm. nicely. Um, but anyway, they lose right away. Not only does Lando lose, or I guess that's technically Han's fault, not Lando's. Lando's crashed at this point. But they lose a Nebulon B because they crash it into a, a like a hulk of ship. Um, and there's also a cool scene in the audiobook that doesn't make it to the comic where Han's like, we got to go back and look. And Leia's like, they're all gone. And he's like, how can you know? And she's like, I can feel it. It's kind of like the first hint of her having some developing force powers. Mm -hmm. Which she goes pretty far with in Dark Empire, but also never uses again until like post-Fong War. 
Well, she got busy with government stuff. Yeah. Yeah, Luke gives her a few lightsabers throughout the everything, but the she gets a lightsaber the, for one issue in this, and then gets crushed. <laughs> I really enjoyed the necks. They are cool. They're, yeah, they're fun. I, I like them too. I like but all the not quite as much as I enjoyed the strange Humvee, like modern times. Yeah, Humvee I was like, huh, that thing is main ground vehicle. <laughs> I noticed that too. I was like, that thing has wheels on it. I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, but. I guess I guess others like the Juggernaut does as well, but um, all the ground scenes are really cool actually. Like this comic does like that one shot. I think it's like five pages in with the giant, uh, the, what is it, the XR tank and just like the tie crawler and stuff. It's yeah. just very like there's lots of cool like mechanized infantry and stuff we get in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many new vehicle designs, some of which become fairly you know well known like the E wing. Um, but yeah, then there's also a Humvee. United Vigilance, E-Wing. <laughs> yeah. MC-90. Less less so, but... Um, but we get even more... One cool... of the variants of the MC-90, at least. Yeah. That's true. But this was before you could just Google for a ship and mm-hmm. trace it into a, into a comic book, so that's nice. Yeah, they actually made one. But we'll get even more cool ground stuff um, when we have the, the next... Uh, when we have Dark Empire 2, because that's when... I forget right. what, the, what the ground vehicles are called, but there's, like, that Imperial planet. That Belmora, the Vipers? I think. Yeah. I think it's Belmora. So there's the, the Belmoran stuff. There's the Vipers. There's yeah. the... The Attack on uh, Bis or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is... So this is fairly different from stuff we've seen before in just how it, uh, it scales uh, fleets. Yes. Where we get a much... We get... Uh, a depiction of fleets being much bigger than anything we've gotten in uh, previous books we've covered. Yeah, Mostly anything. just from the fleets around Biss, mm-hmm. where there's like 37 Super Star Destroyers. <laughs> uh, 38, probably. Yeah. I mean, all very different, all incorporated in different ways in uh, various Empire or mods. Yeah, well, there's a really cool one that no one has done anything with from the. The scene where the, oh, this, is it the Starlight Intruder when it's running towards Biss? There's a really cool Star Destroyer that no one's yeah. handled yet. Um, but yeah, it, you're right. It's aren't you gonna do? Did you say you were planning a video on this, like the minimalist versus maximalist yeah. approach to like world building, um, with like yeah. X-wing being very far in the minimalist. I guess Thrawn would be somewhat in the middle, but steer still on that side. And then you get like Dark Empire, some of the like legacy stuff. Um, then way down the line, you get Warhammer 40k. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But how did you feel about the way Jedi are depicted and talked about in uh, in this, especially with respect to the older public and the Jedi right. Order? So, so we like, get a few references to what that's about, and it, it is a very different picture than what we get both in the prequels, eventually, but also mm-hmm. in some of the other. Uh, expanded universe content right so you're like referring to how mon mothma says that like the republic can't stand without the jedi Um, yeah so there's that there's the reference at the start to how uh the big thing that was stopped like the big thing that kept the republic together initially Mm -hmm. was the jedi which aren't there anymore but we also get some more specific lore uh in dark empire uh issue two where uh 
in the uh, Mandalorian Imperial Dungeon ship, mm-hmm. uh, where Luke says, the kind they used to transport Jedi Knights during the Clone Wars. Yeah. So it's, again, this idea that the Clone Wars involved the Republic versus the Empire to some extent. Yeah. Which we get, uh, we get some of that in the Marvel comics as well, I believe. Yeah, there was uh, like one at, issue in particular. Yeah, You're and right. it just—it seems like the assumption about the Jedi is that there's like a lot more than there ever was. Well, I don't know. To me, it's kind of like in between what we get in like the Thrawn trilogy and even the original trilogy, where to me it feels like the Jedi are kind of like these not monks, but they're kind of just like mystics and uh you know warriors who travel the galaxy and do whatever and then this basically says that there's a large order that helped keep the the republic stable to me that's really not that far off from what we get in the prequel trilogy because Mm. i mean there are a lot of jedi and they're clearly at least by the end of the republic very deeply ingrained within like the government so it's not that far off i guess Obviously, the Clone Wars stuff is not yeah. even Well, close. their actual downfall and overlap with the Empire is very different. Mm-hmm. But It also talks about Palpatine hunting Jedi. This is in one of the end sections. It talks about how Palpatine was hunting Jedi down and bringing them to him. And it kind of makes it seem like when they were still alive to try to find out how to access a holocron because he can't do mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. One of my favorite parts of the comics, I forget which specific one it was in, uh, but in the latter half, I think, mm-hmm. where Leia is confronting Palpatine. I think it's issue four where... She knocks his bed over? Well, <laughs> that, but where it's like Luke's gone. It's just her in the room with him. She's trying to kill him. He's trying to turn her. and She's like, no. He's like, okay, just help me into bed then. <laughs> and she does it. And it's like... Can you imagine in the middle of the the throne room duel in episode six? <laughs> I'm too weak. <laughs> Palpatine's just like, uh, like quick power nap, boys. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'll never join you. Okay, uh, I'm gonna take a nap. All right, then, let, let an old man <laughs> die then. Oh, if you don't want to join me, I'll just go to sleep over here. <laughs> this chair is incredibly comfortable. <laughs> Rent an old dying man a trip to bed. Pull down the blinders no, over the uh, the giant battle going on outside. <laughs> it's too bright for my old eyes. It's too, 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 it is too bright. <laughs> but, I mean, Palpatine himself is much different, too. Um, he's, like, almost demonic, where, like, oh, there's a lot of focus on like stuff that was eventually dropped from his character, like the fact that he's died, he died multiple times. times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And before That's... Dark Empire as well. That was one of his more painful transitions, he says. Yeah. Um, but basically his his power is like eroding his body. Which yeah. I kind of well, like. the one from Endor, uh that wasn't his first death. That yeah. was just another day on the job for all for all wrinkles. But what I don't really get though with that is if his bodies are eventually going to fail, then why does he care about inhabiting strong... Like, why does it matter if he's inhabiting another clone of himself or if he's inhabiting Luke? Because why would a clone uh, of his own... Have you ever seen Supernatural? A little bit. Do you know the whole Michael and Lucifer arc? No. Where they're... So, these 
Sam and Dean are destined to be the vessels for Michael and Lucifer okay. and other bodies. They they have other hosts, but they can't hold them as well mm-hmm. because they're too powerful. But because of the the parallels as set up by, uh, I guess they think <laughs> God has done this. Yeah. But the show gets really deep in it, and I think it's a similar situation where uh, Palpatine's clone bodies are probably worse for him than. Uh, than just getting a nice, mm-hmm. inherently strong in the four. Because this is pre-Midichlorians. It's not that... Uh, yeah. It's just... So the, the clone bodies are, are shitty, weak copies of what I'm sure was a very robust Palpatine A very Chad body at one point. Yeah, it's especially <laughs> in the in the 90s, because it's like Xerox machines. Like You, you make the copies, and they're blurrier and blurrier as you go. That's the idea with cloning, okay. with clone madness. Mm-hmm. But uh, but now, if, if Palpatine can get into Luke, Leia, mm-hmm. or fresh fetus anakin then this is this is the real shit i like how in dark empire 3 it's like you're gonna have to watch me when i'm a baby though like <laughs> vampires then it's like i'm gonna be a baby for a while <laughs> like you guys are gonna need to take care of me <laughs> um but get yeah. me the wet nurse we need to practice <laughs> we do also get in um in crimson uh crimson empire that colonel jacks was somewhat or he was hiring someone to tamper with his yeah with he was like poisoning all the bodies of the clones so mm-hmm. that probably contributed to the speed with which he was going through it yeah but it is kind of implied that the essence transfer was always going to be something where he was like eating away at the bodies yeah it's just like to me if he I guess maybe his original body lasted far longer. I guess, I guess is the explanation. So, because like assume it, like presumably his original body could hold the power at least while he was getting stronger. So it, I don't know. Let's, mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm overthinking this shit. Can we just talk about the fact that uh, Palpatine hangs Dong directly in front of Luke on multiple occasions? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh. there, there's a lot of naked Palpatine in positions I didn't need to see naked Palpatine uh page 28 i think it is <laughs> of issue five where he's like just displaying directly to the to the the camera while he's like holding his lightsaber out he's uh, like you've, lightsabers you've defeated me in a row before but can you beat me dick out <laughs> <laughs> it's the strategy i'm gonna make another out of franchise reference here okay but it's the strategy employed by richard hatch and survivor challenges <laughs> where he'd just be naked so that no one would want to go near him. I mean, yeah, you're not going to want to kill all of those. Uh, if, you're not going to want to kill all the cloning chambers if fucking naked-ass Palpatine's going to fall out afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, Luke just goes ham on all these cloning chambers. There's just a bunch of dead Palpatine. Just asses ah, you everywhere. Forgot one. <laughs> now it's all slippery and wet in here with me. <laughs> At least try to cover up Jesus. <laughs> The dark side is a pathway to many abilities. Uh, you just yeah. need a scene where, like, Luke grabs his old cloak and just... <laughs> We're taking a break. Why couldn't you clone as many cloaks as you had bodies? I do like, too, how he's got, like, a lightsaber rack that he just reaches over and grabs. Well, um, you go through a lot of lightsabers in this place. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the Force Storm as well. Okay. Because I think we've discussed most of issue one. Uh, they, they, everyone meets back up and Luke's like, I got to stay here because there's cool stuff on the planet. 
and then a big ass force storm just comes and snatches him away to well some dungeon ship somewhere um and every time i read this i thought the antari 6 or whatever the name of that nebulon b is got destroyed but it survives huh yeah so i guess it's just uh palpatine is being like suspiciously kind to that crew well, when he's on the Susha with the Eclipse later, he's like, I don't, I don't have a, a quarrel with you, Rebels, despite yeah. all the previous evidence of the Galactic Civil War. <laughs> despite... I just want Leia. Yeah, despite the fact that he was, like, saying some not cool stuff about them earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm starting to think that contrary to what Palpatine says, he actually doesn't like the Rebels that much. I think you might be right. It's very subtle, mm-hmm. but... Uh, He's a nuanced character, so there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> that's true. Let's talk about like, uh, the world devastators of Mon Calamari. And have you ever played the level from Rogue Squadron? Rogue Squadron? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. That, that like... Uh, I mean, it kind of goes against... So basically, for those who haven't read the comic... Um, as Palpatine initiates like his blitz from the deep core, he sends these world devastators to a bunch of planets. Um, and one of them is Mon Calamari and the, the audio drama talks about there being like 12 or 13 on the planet, just like ravaging it, just like crossing over and just like, basically they've got what's called molecular furnace inside them. And this isn't so clear. This is made especially clear in like the, the source book, but they suck up everything, whether it's other ships or you know, the planet itself, and not only can they produce more supplies, but they can also add on to themselves. So, mm-hmm. like, World Devastators, and if you actually look at the comic, each World Devastator does look slightly different. Some yeah. of them actually look, like, very different. Like, there's one, uh, probably page, like, I don't know, 15 or something of Dark Empire 2 that only has two of the uh, repulsors or whatever. Yeah. Um, so like the ones on uh Dark Empire 3 page like 7ish. Mm-hmm. Uh they look probably the most standard. Mm-hmm. But then there's like the the mothership world devastator. Mm-hmm. Uh I forget what it's called. Like Silence. Silencer 7 I think. Is it Silencer 7? I think so. It's uh, one Silencer something I think. But uh But uh but yeah, that one looks very different from the rest. Mhm. There's some cool like uh lore too because it's basically a ship like that can become infinitely powerful um it can self-repair it's kind of like a gray goo type of thing because it's controlled fully by machines um the the dark empire source book because i was doing a video on this so i i really looked into all of it it doesn't explicitly say that one world devastator could produce another but presumably if it got large enough i don't see why it couldn't um so they've basically made like self-replicating machines. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why they've got this big master shutoff code because Palpatine's scared that, you know, a rogue Imperial officer steals one and takes it to like an asteroid field. And then, you know, next thing you know, you got a planet side world devastator or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. The essential guide to warfare also says that the New Republic captured one, but they destroyed it. Um, well, I think uh, I think it's intended to be one of the ones in this issue. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. That gets disabled but not destroyed. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that was information that had been around before 
essential oh, okay. guide to warfare and then i think the destruction of it was an essential guide to warfare thing to tie up that loose end because otherwise the rebels were or the new republic was flying around with the world devastator and i don't think that was what they wanted uh, i mean so i think that's what that change was or that reference was for if you're the new republic like i know it's not very cool in the public side but just go park it in an asteroid field somewhere you got free capital ships for eventually or at least starfighters for a long time um it's like the most useful thing you could ever capture and they're like just toss it away you hate to see it <laughs> well it's like a Roomba that's gone too far you can't let that happen i've got a, i've got two Roombas. one's a cheap one one's got like the mapping feature it's kind of creepy do you ever tie butter knives to them and make them fight? No, because they're separated. One's downstairs. Doug is downstairs. Yeah. Uh, I forget what we, we Oh, just... did you ever come up with a name yeah, for the second I'm, one? Yeah, I completely forget what it is. It's uh... I saw the the Twitter request for that, but uh what's her name again? Doug is like the stupid one. Like Doug Doug's crap. Oh, Selma. Selma's upstairs. Doug Doug's Selma? downstairs. Yeah, Selma. Like Simpson Selma or was this something else? It was like just Selma. Okay. Just Doug and Selma. Okay. But yeah, she like maps your house and stuff. It's kind of weird. And like she knows where rooms end. Um, she knows where I sleep. <laughs> Even after Birio Cart? Oh, no, no, no. She can't go downstairs. I sleep on the couch downstairs after Birio Cart. So I I just saw something that I missed the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really stood out to me when okay. Palpatine and the Eclipse are over to Sucha and the Force Storm is destroying the first Eclipse and it's like first outing. Uh, <laughs> real real letdown there. But Palpatine's face. Oh, yeah. He's like, just, it looks like he's either really enjoying himself or really not enjoying himself. <laughs> that's basically always Palpatine. But yeah, I, I, I kind of that's that's one of my favorite panels, actually kind of cool and the eclipse is a really cool ship um mm-hmm. clearly meant to be i i don't like how they retcon the executor to make it larger well it's not really a retcon but like the eclipse is clearly supposed to be like the the next stage of ship you well know? it's not necessarily the executor being larger it's longer but the eclipse is a bulkier ship yeah so there's a lot more tonnage there it's just like this was made when the like, this was 17 kilometers when the executor in the lore was probably 10 or 12. Yeah. And the executor what got the size up, and the the Eclipse never did. Which is kind of a bummer. Well, not really a bummer. The eclipse. But. but actually, one thing that I did uh, think about with the character art, since we brought that up at the start, is that... Um, the design for Palpatine as young Palpatine actually does look. Yeah, it's not bad, is like, it? I don't know if they based it on pictures of Ian McDiarmid, and that's how both of them became that, or if it was just like luck. But it it looks like yeah, what we get for like Plagueis era Palpatine. So definite thumbs up on that. Well, I mean, they probably could have just looked at yeah, because Ian McDiarmid. Well, I guess he would have been like in his still pretty young at this point. So yeah. Or they could just look at old pictures, I guess. But I do like how the first ship that encounters this massive... Sorry, I'm just scrolling through. 
when the eclipse comes out of hyperspace with like the two massive uh, super star destroyers or uh, allegiant star destroyers, there's one one DP twenty just sitting there. Like, oh shit! There's so many ships of like the like kind of Corellian style. Mm. That's what most of the new designs end up looking like, other than the clearly imperial ones. It's yeah. like a bunch of Nebulon Bs, some Mon Cal ships, mm-hmm. and then stuff that is like definitely there's a lot of like imperial or very dp20 like three engines yeah. a square block like an engine block and then other sections i, I mean I, I like it it the fleet's a little more ragtag than like if i could change it i'd make it less kind of like thrown together because they've been a government for some time but yeah it's still pretty cool um i mean they got a big fleet too you can see it like um orbiting Desucha, and it's not small yeah. like in that image with uh where the eclipse first comes out that's a really cool one um, you know the one where it comes out I don't know what page it is um, but it comes out of hyperspace it's in Dark Empire 6 um, the one with the DP-20 and in that you can actually yeah, see the next page yeah you can see a bunch of stuff going around the planet yeah and you can actually see on the eclipse like the super laser it actually looks like the ship was illustrated like it should have one although it never uses it in the comics and it was kind of just said in the source book, but it does look like there's like a, an aperture um, to fire a laser out of. There's like, something looks like a big hanger in that in the illustrations. Uh, I think it's meant to be a hanger, the big red uh, thing. But then there's at the very top, like at the nose, there's what looks like like a, a big laser gun. Yeah, for some reason, I was thinking that it, it super lasered Pinnacle Moon, but... No, that's it gets no, that Pinnacle Moon's galaxy gun. And... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I've always like changed that in my mind to be it using the super laser, mm-hmm. but it, it almost looks more like a, just a, a weird hanger aperture. And then the, the, the red yeah, thing the top is the top. Yeah. yeah. Well, the red thing is definitely a hanger because yeah. there's the, uh, but I mean, just like that's what the whole structure is mm-hmm. intended for, but yeah, no, right. it definitely fits with the later use of the eclipse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'll have to take a look at the Eclipse 2 to see if it has something similar. All of sure. the destructions of the super weapons in Dark Empire just feel kind of underwhelming to me. Oh, yeah, totally. Like, the Eclipse gets introduced, like, oh, my God, this giant, oh, wait, Palpatine killed it. And, oh, my God, the world that, oh, wait, R2 turned them off. Oh, like my the, God, the yeah. galaxy, oh, R2 rammed out. Like, R2 does a lot of work <laughs> in these, does in these comics. <laughs> yeah. But he should, you know how in uh, Rogue Squadron there was, all the big fuss about like who gets to draw the Death Stars and all the yeah. fighters on their fighter, like the should just been R two. Like R two should just get like sleeves. <laughs> you know, like uh, when Luke's firing his torpedo into the uh, the Death Star, he thinks he's using the Force. R two's just shaking his head. He's like, "God damn, this kid is stupid." I'm I'm controlling this shit from my end. <laughs> when Obi Wan, yeah, when Obi Wan tells him turn off your targeting computer, R two's like, "What the fuck's this kid doing?" Turns it back on, fires at himself. <laughs> Oh my god, Ben, I use the force. He's like Ben's like, turn off your targeting computer. Luke just cuts him off. He's like, got it. He's like, no, no, so R2 can take control of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just one more step in troll Obi-Wan, the pathological liar of the of the original trilogy. <laughs> Luke just I, I really want to do a video just going through every line he has in the OT and see what percentage of it is true. <laughs> because I think it's under 10%. <laughs> Probably, I don't blame like, Obi Wan. That's that's all on George. <laughs> my name's Ben. No, hello there. Where? 
<laughs> no. Luke, ram the Death Star. It'd be way more epic. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting hypothermia, and we know Force Ghosts can interact with real world objects now. It's like, Luke, get your lazy ass up and go to the Dagobah system. <laughs> can I borrow your robe? You're a ghost. You don't even need it. <laughs> I must protect my modesty, Luke. <laughs> Oh man! At least that would have prepared him for a uh, uh, Force Ghost Obi Wan hanging dong would have prepared Luke better for Dark Empire. Um, <laughs> just saying, Ben. Ben, why aren't you wearing clothes? Also, Don't worry, Luke. You'll understand. It's kind of BS because when <laughs> when Obi Wan dies, he doesn't take his robes with him. His body disappears. So you know when they appear in Force Ghost Heaven, they are butt naked. And then they have to get yeah. a because like they've got to get a robe from somewhere. I would assume. Yeah. Well, when you get there, it's kind of like uh, I'm gonna make another. I'm gonna make as many references as possible. It's like when uh, Goku goes to heaven every time in <laughs> Dragon Ball Z. With, uh, what's the guy's name? But like with the big mahogany desk. Oh yeah, I forget that guy's name. Ah, oh, I know exactly. In what Star you Wars, that. they get a robe there. Yeah. And that's where you also get to choose your age settings. And uh, <laughs> Vader was the only one who managed to uh, to pick up ex- the right way to do it. <laughs> Obi Wan and Yoda were too much of boomers to figure out. Uh, maybe Yoda is really young. He's like Yoda's like, dude, I'm 200 years younger. You don't recognize it. <laughs> He's like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a spry 700 now. <laughs> um, back on topic, I noticed um, when... <laughs> so there's some weird stuff with Lando in hyperspace. Um, and he's got the whole fleet next to him. You can see it. And they alter their course in hyperspace and he comes out and fires on the um, Allegiance. I noticed that when he flies past the Allegiance, the ship looks much, much larger than... Um, mm-hmm. Like, it looks like not a, like, not a proper executor, but... A, they they call it a super star destroyer. Um, and, yeah, the allegiance. And then later, when the fudginess. when the eclipse comes out in the audio production, they call the two ships that are escorting that. They call them super star destroyers as well. Mm-hmm. So I think the allegiance was intended to be much larger because even when you see, I think it's in three when you see the um, just the regular ISD next to it, the ISD is really tiny. Yeah, I, I don't know that they paid too much attention to scale with any of it. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I think the in three with the uh, with the exploding one is probably the best sense we get from it because of that being like the only semi detailed mm-hmm. one. But I'm not even sure if that's an ISD or the allegiance behind it. I think the Allegiance is the one that's right behind it, and then there's yeah. two other ISDs. Because um, if I were to guess the scale for that based on that ISD being right there, then I'd probably put it over 4,000 meters. Oh, yeah, I would say like 7,000 probably. Just because like, look at how large the back end of the engines is. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's it's hard to tell. I do like, in that scene, there's a nice little detail. Um, the V-wings, which are airspeeders, are being carried down. By like a, uh, yeah, some sort of tr- some a sort of transport. <laughs> yeah, it's a cool little detail. Um, because I was I was wondering that uh, like if, if I guess like last year when I was doing something on this battle, and then you look and yeah, they, they've actually 
I don't know if if it was intended for the V-Wings to always be atmospheric craft, because they also, in this, have the uh, sea vessels, so it's possible. Yeah, I actually really like those skimmers. Yeah, they're cool. They were in Rogue Squadron, too, so... Yeah. Like, it's such a cool... You don't really even like even though that's like one level, that's like a lot more integration with like comics and stuff than we got in the current game. Yeah. <laughs> it was like uh Dark Horse was over there doing one thing, Bantam was over there doing another, and then the, the Rogue Squadron game was like, Hey guys, do you wanna all hang out? <laughs> Throw some tied droids in. <laughs> we can shoot some little devastators, that's cool. I mean, if you think about it, though, like that's a lot of effort for one level. Yeah. That's after the game too, because they have new, because they use the tie droids. They've got all the world devastator models. They've got the V wings as a new starfighter. So I mean, pretty impressive. So we're getting to Prop the Prop Stroke Squadron, Factor Five, I think, right? The Factor Five. I don't know. Anyway, we're getting to the uh, probably the most controversial aspect of at least this issue other than Palpatine cloning and that's Luke Boba Fett well Luke falling to the dark side what do you think or falling to the dark side because it's Mm. yeah lame yeah lame and dumb because it's very unclear on exactly what's going on his plan seems to have been predicated on the fact that he would get uh, command of the entire fleet, which if I were an Imperial, Vader didn't have the highest reputation. <laughs> like that would have been a big no for me. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that like Palpatine must have known he was getting tricked and seemed to imply he knew he was getting tricked. It was just like but everyone's yeah. playing 16D chess and I guess it's like really badly at it. Perhaps Palpatine his ultimate goal was Leia, I guess. Like that's one option. Yeah. Um but yeah, like it's unclear to like how whether Luke has actually fallen or not, um, because he's like you broke me out of my spell basically to Leia. But it's like yeah, but really other occasions the whole time he was doing exactly he turns the world devastators it. off and stuff. So it's a little it's a little strange. Um, and I think I think some of the Vader stuff, like the fact that he kneels like right away, is a bit much. The I think the Vader. They they do I like the part where he comes out of the cave at the beginning of issue one or sorry at the end of issue one and he's he's silhouetted like Vader that's okay mm-hmm. but when he's literally wearing Vader's helmet or in like appearing as in Vader in, in force projections yeah. that's probably a little bit much. What did you think about the force projection where he was like trying to trick them to go away from this? I quite I th- I thought that part was really cool actually. Yeah, I don't like how Leia calls it a dark side technique because. Like, Luke does it again in uh, not just the Last Jedi, but it's like it. It ends up being is that one of the Fallen Aussie? Yeah, techniques? it's like the it's the uh, yeah he does that with like his ship a bunch of times too. Um, yeah, and he makes a fleet on one occasion. Um, he hides the Falcon a couple times. I, th- I think that's like the White Current, maybe. Right. So Fallen Aussie were flow walking. Um, no, flow walking was the Ang T, wasn't it? Ang T did projections. They could no, they could do instant transmission. No, yeah, it, there's a bunch of weird flow walking yeah, was he, the Ang T, and um, and the Falanasi were like the white current with their projections mostly. Mm-hmm. Because I remember, remember in um 
they go to what's the what's the planet with the oh they go to Namcharios in Fate of the Jedi and there's basically a giant force projection which is making everyone on the planet think they're sick with the um with the Apoloff fever sort of but it, it it's actually Apoloff partnering with that fallen Aussie woman I always forget her name mm-hmm. and she's making them think that they've got the uh the the some sort of illness I can't remember exactly what but um but yeah so it, it is kind of like that I mean it's not unlike flow walking as well it's kind of like a mixture of everything but I've always I've always liked the force projection technique thing yeah like there's a few places that it's been used mm-hmm. in interesting ways. It's one of my favorite kind of obscure. Uh, yeah, me too. Obscure force thingies. And but, R- Ryan Johnson, like after the last Jedi came out, a few months after, he like posted a video and it was him in his office. It's like went up to this bookshelf, went to like the highest level, reached up, grabbed a Star Wars book. Some I don't know if it was like a Weston Games book or something opened it up and there was like a description of force projection so he had at least read about it before yeah the um other than of course there's the scene in issue one too that's kind of like the reverse of what happens in the last jedi with the with the walkers where he he does stare one down like shields himself from the blast and then crushes it well it's kind of i think that's kind of set up to be like look at how far he's come since episode Mm -hmm. five Whereas, like, oh, he had to strap himself up there and slice yeah, and slice, but still now he doing can just crush it. Mortal but stuff. The, uh, the, I, the thing I disliked most with the turn to the dark side was the prophecy. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's uh, so cheesy. It's so the, on the, the goddamn like, nose. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely explicit of exactly what's going to happen. It's like a grade five students attempt at poetry yeah. is like okay so when anakin shows up in the jedi temple and like oh the prophecy of the chosen one no the prophecy about the fucking skywalkers yeah true that prophecy and also the prophecy of the chosen one's like so- somewhat difficult to interpret <laughs> i just imagine that it's like just as blunt as the one in this which says like <laughs> it's just like a kid named anakin will come <laughs> make sure you train him well <laughs> it's like what, what does anakin this mean is sandy haired as the place he comes from <laughs> like what does this mean <laughs> will be presented to qui-gon and obi-wan <laughs> No, no, no! This says Obi Wan. There's a Z- there's an O there. <laughs> this can't be right. It's been there's lost to time. There's an entire hall in the Jedi Temple dedicated to Skywalker related prophecies. <laughs> well, there's another one too. Um, in one of the old Republic comics. Uh, what's that? There's the I keep forgetting comic shit today. I hardly ever read them. But there's the group of Jedi who get visions. Um, and one of them does have a vision of Luke and Vader and uh, others. So these Skywalkers have been like, the galaxy has, should have known that they were around for quite a while, but. They're just bad news. Yeah. It's not good. Bad shit. Uh, but, but Boba Fett. Boba Fett where? How do yeah. you feel? Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> 
I mean, I really like uh, it. Nell Hutta is such a cool. I mean, it's it's a really it's just a distraction, I guess. Mm-hmm. But it's a really cool planet visually, like especially this the first scene where like they come out. Uh, or I guess they're on Narshada technically, but um, the the first scene where they come out like in the skyline is there, and the huge planets in the background, and you can see like the wreck of an old fire spray, like yeah, that's really cool. That's in issue three. Um, I mean, I don't. Really There's care. a lot of uh, basically every planet they go to is like surrounded in debris from the constant fighting Mm -hmm. very densely too yeah so that's the other part of the maximalist yeah yeah for sure um yeah that's that's a good point i mean it's a but they even though it is very maximal maximalist they still encounter everybody that they know it's like dengar and shit (laughs) well dengar was just some unnamed dude at this point right he never shown up in anything and then he just got well he like, bounty hunter trilogy yeah i mean he had been well dengar gets killed in the thrawn trilogy so it's kind of weird because hey do you know are you like familiar with this retcon i meant to talk about it i think it's in no okay so there is a character oh, what's his name um uh dengar roth i think it is oh yeah so there's a character named Dengar Roth in the Thrawn trilogy, um, who's after Leia, and or no, no, remember the the guy who traps Mara Jade on Rishi, uh, who like, who um, kind of tricks her, uh, okay, and then she kills him. Mm-hmm. She like topples. I think she topples like a crate on him or something. She takes his. She takes his ID and it says Dengar Roth. Um, okay. Right. And that was supposed to be Dengar. Hmm. Um, so. Oh, yeah. I, I, I noticed the name being the same, but I didn't think it was intended to be the same guy. Yeah. So this is a little bit more complicated because there's a new character made for the Rise of Skywalker called Roth, Rothgard Deng, um, <laughs> who looks like, like he's just a character in the background. He's got what looks like Dengar's armor. Um, and it says, here's what, what Wikipedia says about him. Rothgar and Dang possibly operating under an alias was a Corellian bounty hunter, just like Dengar, who by the time of the war between the first order and resistance was old and experienced. Deng subjugated himself to cybernetic replacements and turned to black market surgical clinics to replace damaged body parts. So the conspiracy theory on the internet is that this is Dengar just having, you know, screwed himself up and he's like really weird looking if you look him up. Um and the whole Rothgar thing is kind of a you know, an homage to the Thrawn trilogy in a way, but also kind of a hint that they're the same character. Yeah. Well there's also like he's in episode five just as background dude, but I'm not sure. Hmm. He's always had a weird storyline, though, because, like, his retiring and coming out of retirement from all the different sources, and then I mm. guess now he's died twice, so... Well, the thing... Yeah, so the Thrawn, the Thrawn trilogy, I don't know what it was, but eventually it was he was made into a completely different character. Dengar yeah. Roth ended up being a, a completely different character. Just a guy who gets killed. Yeah. Gunnar Roth, alias Dengar Roth. So it's like... <sighs> yeah. 
His name was Gunner, and he changed his nickname to Dengar. Yeah, what the hell? <laughs> that was already a great name. You don't need a nickname. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But yeah, so that's a that's a little bit of a interesting uh, connection there. I don't know. Well, it does get to one of the problems that I do have with uh, with Dark Empire, at least up to this point, mm-hmm. which um, you can kind of make the same point about uh, Force Awakens, mm-hmm. where it's it's all just forcing in established characters. Yeah. Do uh, we get like two or three new ones from uh, like Han's friends on Solon? Yeah, but throughout the entire six issues, everyone else we've seen before, uh, and I guess yeah. Titus Clev as I don't know if he actually got named in this, but I don't know that don't really so. anyone else with a name comes out of it directly. Mm, yeah, like we get a lot more in Dark Empire too. Yeah, because you you get into like Empedocles, you get. Uh, Cam you get the yeah, and you get the uh, executors and stuff. Yeah, but for this one, it's like it's very much just greatest hits family reunion of Star Wars the original trilogy. I'm okay with it though because the story is just so weird. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's it so some different. kind of grounding for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, like I I do think the bounty hunting bit is a bit much. I think it would have been fine to just uh. You know, even just just Boba need Fett. And Boba? Yeah, yeah, just, just Boba Fett would have been fine. Do we need their like sassy back talk to each other? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't fly. Oh, you. <laughs> this is the last time I ever work with you. Okay, <laughs> no one ever knows we worked together before. <laughs> um, what do you think of uh, Vima? She's another. She's another new character. Uh, long descendant of Nomi Sunrider. Yeah, so I like her individually, but mm-hmm. there's it a lot gets of Jedi. The whole, in this. Yeah, it it kind of gets to the whole idea of like how common are Jedi right now, mm-hmm. and she was clearly not hiding very well so yeah because leia could censor so which isn't a criticism of her no it's just the and she's probably like she wants leia to find her Mm -hmm. but it it ties too much into the whole prophecy side of it yeah that i just find kind of lame that that's why she would want to expose herself to leia because she knows that she's going to do all this crap. And I don't know. Maybe that's me like putting too much onto it. Mm-hmm. But we'll say last time a street urchin on Narshada exposed themselves to me, it wasn't nearly as nice of a uh, interaction. Hmm. <laughs> What's the name Does that of... happen often? All the time. Every time I go. What's the name of the uh, alien in the holocron again? Because it's... Uh, boom. It's Boda, isn't it? Like, there's two characters that have Boda in their name. Yeah, it, it's just kind of weird. But there's two, uh, two names, Boto Cass okay. or something. Yeah. Is it, it the same it one is... that's in the Jedi Academy trilogy as well? Boto Bass, but yeah, the slimiest one. Yeah, is he the one that's in the Jedi Academy trilogy as well? 
Photobaz? Yeah, like, because don't they get teachings from the Holocron? The name I made me think that, but I don't remember him being, like, mm. wrinkly, congealed slug guy, which... See, that that's the part that I did remember. I remembered him being... Because um, cause I read it, like, when I was... Okay, so you remember the slug guy. I remember the name. I'm, I'm willing to say we're they're the same person. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, because Jedi Academy Trilogy does actually have... It's probably the most Dark Empire tied. Yeah. Um, <coughs> well, the, the Sun Crusher the... is very much a Dark Empire super weapon type, and then the Death Star prototype and everything. And they go to, when they go to Mon Calamari, we get references to the Dark, like to Palpatine's <clears throat> sieges, unlike Coruscant, which is repaired overnight. Well, uh, Kevin Anderson is like, he's got his fingers in all the, mm-hmm. the EU pots, only probably like, as far as like, breadth of what he touches i like james Lucino is probably the only one that goes mm-hmm. above that level where like uh timothy zahn's stories are more high profile individually mm-hmm. but just like timothy zahn doesn't really uh collaborate on other stuff he's yeah. got a, kind of his own stories yeah whereas kevin j anderson is like everywhere mm-hmm. yeah it's a good point i mean that's helpful too for sure mm-hmm um so there's i don't really much else to talk about on corellia it's funny when that hut gets knocked off his repulsor chair just like dies (laughs) he like falls into the abyss (laughs) oof (laughs) Uh, oof. (laughs) everyone just getting knocked off of beds and sleds in this series yeah this is definitely a life alert moment (laughs) Well, Palpatine does look like he's like he probably needs a life alert, and that slug looks like he's probably not does not have the healthiest BMI. What do you think of the slave uh, two? By the way, sorry, the slave two. Yeah. Uh, well, I saw it, and I was like, "Wait, that is this the slave two? But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I don't. I've never liked that because it's like ditched. Well, I guess it hits the planetary shield, but yeah. I guess they just didn't want to destroy the Slave One, mm. or they didn't know if he'd still have it. Mm-hmm. But I kind of liked it, it. I don't like. I don't like the the ship class. It's it is weird. It's I'd say not my favorite, but I, I'm gonna go all the way and actively dislike Pursuer class. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um... It looks like half an E wing to me. And then I think he gets a slave three, but and even a slave four maybe. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> I know he gets more ships. Um, yeah, but I, I think he he, he was, gets slave he was one. difficult to plan for the mod because it's like okay, how do we want to? Yeah, distribute his uh, his ships. Like no, he gets the slave one all the time. <laughs> Screw it. Well, it seems I, I can't remember what happens to it, but like back by like legacy and fate of the jedi he's got the slave one um yeah well he he definitely ends up back with the slave one multiple times because mm-hmm. most uh most books just went straight to use it mm-hmm. which why uh, wouldn't so there was, it was difficult to get any sort of continuity on when he has what mm-hmm. where it's probably a kind of thing where he's like jay leno just has a whole bunch of ships <laughs> boba's garage yeah he actually hosts his own uh, late night talk show, and Conan 
takes so it it's a, it was a whole thing mm -hmm. sounds pretty neat um anything else you want to talk about with i almost said Corellia with um narsada yeah just a lot of cool imagery there. I, li I like the yeah. idea of stealing a ship to get into the deep core. That's that's pretty mm -hmm. cool. Well, like... the, the only other thing with that is that they all seem to know yeah, roughly where they were going. And like they just needed this one access code. Like, oh, yeah. Was so... kind of following them there. And as if like the deep core was just this. And nobody could warn the New Republic that there's like hundreds of or thousands of ships building up like, well they're they're busy with the world devastators yeah i guess i just would have thought because the earliest members of the rebel alliance now but i mean you'd think that they would have been prepping this invasion for some time well send a text message we don't know that they didn't that's true it looks uh when vivina boda is giving leia the lightsaber mm-hmm it looks like she's trying to hand her an iPhone. <laughs> Add me on Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it looks like a white brick yeah, no, you're right. shaped like an iPhone with the the trim. And then at the top left of it, it looks like there's like a, a USB port on the top mm -hmm. and then an Apple logo. So <laughs> she's just holding it. it upside down. <laughs> Please. I've just been sitting here staring charge? at that for several minutes. That's pretty funny. I'm looking now too at the picture of uh, Luke commanding the uh, Imperial forces like our father, and it looks nothing like Luke at all. It looks if you look at that picture and you you would think that's Palpatine for sure. Every uh, every every picture of Luke looks like he's not Luke, <laughs> except for the cover. The yeah. cover with the really funky World Devastator mm -hmm. looks like Luke, and then the cover of uh, issue six, Palpatine mm. has Charlie hair. <laughs> I had to send you some text messages I sent Charlie today, just okay. using those things. What do you think of, uh, speaking of planetary shields, what do you think of the hyperspace shenanigans jumping through the planetary shield? Mm, I, I'm fine with shields acting however they need to act yeah. for whatever story. It's very inconsistent, mm -hmm. but... As long as they say what happened and what yeah. we expected to happen. Yeah. In the uh, audio production, when they do that, they go to like, it's like they go to like another dimension and they talk really slow. They're like, oh no, we got decalibrated. <laughs> I'm going to break apart my molecules. <laughs> it's just like very like what you'd expect from like a audio production of a Star Wars EU book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this is another cool planet, though. Lots of cool stuff there. The Citadel is cool. The giant probots flying around. The, the fleet around it. Um, so one thing that I I was slightly confused about with the probots mm -hmm. is the giant red thing. Whether that was supposed because it it first comes up in a scene where it's saying, "Oh, their shielding is reflecting the missiles." Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, that's them getting sucked into the hangar. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is weird. Where though. at first I was like, oh, is that this, is that a hanger? Like, no, mm -hmm. they're saying the shield is reflecting it. Because if you look at uh, the previous page, it looks like that is just part of the hull. So unless it like turned around. Yeah, and that's, that's pretty the hanger weird. now. But it, it did because it shows up again later and mm -hmm. it does appear to be a hanger. Yeah. So 
Yeah, it's like they got in the hangar and then Nynx or whatever his name is yeah. uh, hacked into the thing. It's the Unix system. <laughs> <That's what it is. laughs> Quick, we got two keyboards here. You get one. <laughs> I need it. We first thing download more dedicated wham. <laughs> and as soon as Lucas like turns down the offer to inhabit his body once, and then Palpatine just turns into this giant flare of white anger. I must die. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, guess I'll kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, this was easy. <laughs> There's a scene, too, where Luke is choking Han, and Luke's holding him off the ground. I'm like, Mark Hamill's, what, like, five foot seven? Yeah. Like, <laughs> he's, he's, like, six foot eight in this picture. Like, damn. Like, is is Luke in Legends playing in the like, well, it's, NBA? Well, it's, uh, it's bigger Luke. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's much bigger Luke. <laughs> <laughs> he's basically... I'm trying to decide if he's Cole or Cade in this series. Uh, I think we can all agree this is not Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Hashtag not my Luke. (laughs) Don't. Uh, He's kind of Cade like. I mean, because he looks like a legacy Skywalker. Mm -hmm. Like the design was just repurposed directly for for one of them. Uh, I'd say. I'd say he looks more like Cade probably, because of the. I think. He's kind of got some flow, which Cade has. Uh, it's always like over his eyes. Yeah. Um, both of those designs are just awful. Cole and Cade Skywalker, I think both of their designs are just yeah, I don't, beyond I, don't, I like uh, Rock more than either of them, mm-hmm. but not as a Skywalker. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about? Let's see. So... They Leia comes to Biz, tries to rescue Luke. Luke says, "Nah, head out." Um, she heads out. They give her R two, another episode of or another element that's in episode nine. The droid's mind being wiped to uh, facilitate the grand plan. Um, Luke does the force projection. They return back to Dasutka, Dasutka, and then we get to the final issue, issue six, which brings us the uh, the eclipse. The eclipse, and then takes away the eclipse a page later. Yeah, it's really it's really sucks because by the time we get to the Eclipse two, it's a different artist and it's just not yeah, nearly I don't like as the Eclipse nice. two anywhere near as much. No. Like the the Eclipse one is really kind of formidable looking. It's really cool looking. Um mm-hmm. and it gets no time. Uh no, that's all I ha- like I think we covered all my notes. I'll just give it one more look. Mm-hmm. Um so in the end, Palpatine's four storms, which he's been using, uh, he's using to destroy the rebel fleet. Um, not unlike what Palpatine does in episode nine, <laughs> different kind of four yeah. storm. <laughs> this one doesn't have electricity. He's got space wormholes. Oh yeah. I didn't have two. Okay. Um, and then basically they break his concentration and he kills himself. <laughs> Again. Yeah. <laughs> Guess I'll kill myself. <laughs> what were your other things so... you want to bring up? Uh, the first one is when Luke is getting uh, lured to the dark side mm-hmm. and Palpatine promises him like all the powers, like the same thing that brought your father over. It's like, no, Anakin wasn't tempted by world devastators. <laughs> <laughs> he just wanted to save Padme. Just well, I mean, of- to be fair, Palpatine does kind of tempt him with dark side powers in a way. and he basically Dark side does- powers, but not control of the fleet. Right. That so was, That was it- very far outside of Anakin's. Yeah. 
interest. I guess I'm getting it mixed up with the audiobook because or the audio production because in the audio production, Palpatine is very clear. Like he's like the dark side is deep powers that only I can teach you. Yeah, um, like the way it's presented in here, it's less about mm-hmm. uh, Luke getting the dark side powers and more Luke leading the forces because that's like what yeah. Luke's plan is supposed to be. Uh, but the the other thing is Han and Leia's wedding, mm-hmm. uh, where they mention that like uh, they mention Mon Mothma officiating. Yeah, and so I was like, wait, this doesn't this doesn't sound like the courtship of Princess Leia I know. And then that doesn't sound like the yeah. There's like what uh, three different weddings I think, uh, three different times yeah, they get married. There's one in like a source book. There's mm-hmm. the one that happened in courtship, which I always kind of think of as the yeah. official one. And then Me there's too. this where Mon Mothma was officiating. Uh, there, there's just they uh, maybe they just renew their vows every year. Yeah, um, isn't there one at the end of the Jedi Prince series? I think. I canceled my order of them, so I don't know, but oh, okay. it probably is. I think statistically, it's. I think that's how that ends because Leia almost marries Trioculus, and then right, yeah, yeah. Oh, but that I think that one got written off as being interrupted or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Very special moment. It's it's a tumultuous relationship. But uh, I think the only, yeah, the only other notes I have here are a Gamorrean two-step, mm-hmm. uh, just because that that's a fun image. Yeah. And second time Leia guns. So. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. When she's when they're in the gunner seat, like, oh, I've never, Issue I've only one, done yeah. this the one time. It's like, yeah, the you've you've done, you've done this so many times. Yeah. Even if this is one of the weaker parts of earlier EU, where it's like no matter how long after uh, Mm -hmm. stuff takes place, they basically act like the characters have been through nothing else. Yeah. Like how Luke relates everything back to uh, episode five and six on uh, in the Thrawn trilogies. There's some walls beside me. This is like when I went down that canyon that time. Remember that guy? Like, this is like the time I met Jedi Prince Ken. <laughs> yeah, why can't we get those references? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I like the new uh I like the new guard designs. There's two. There's the uh the Sentinels which are kind of goofy cuz they're so over the top. Then there's the yeah. Sovereign Protectors which are also in episode 9 and explicitly called Sovereign Protectors. Um mm. So that's pretty epic all very steampunky yes very well then that no uh though i think that's basically it for me i mean there's not really a whole lot of plot palpatine comes back he gets a super star destroyer he's doing lots of mean things the super star destroyer blows up you could leave it at that um if dark empire 2 wasn't a thing this would have been basically a complete series but yeah yeah uh we did have uh we didn't have too many emails this week uh but we did get two uh, one person was reminding me, uh, Sonny reminded me that the lightsaber poke note I had from last time oh, yeah. was about uh, Mara using the lightsaber tip, which yeah, Luke Mara, had never yeah. considered stabbing anyone before. Yeah. Uh, that's a funny one. She's like, the Emperor taught me to use everything. Like, that's a really advanced skill there, Mara. <laughs> 
And uh, we got an email from Justin, which I mean, you can bring up whatever you want on the podcast. You don't need to email <laughs> in, Eck, but because huh. it's my name as well. Yeah, it's on the screen for everyone right now. Listen, we've got lots are... of podcast listeners, bud. So I, I think of them and I value them. But didn't you introduce yourself as Justin? Or did you? Maybe can we get, not. Can we get Either a new way. co-host, please? <laughs> can I get a new co-host? <laughs> well, you want Charlie on here. <laughs> no, Charlie uh, can't read. It's very upsetting. So Justin's questions... Uh, what is your opinion on the Emperor coming back in the comic and what do you think? And do you think that is how he came back in Rise of Skywalker? How do you feel about the Dark Empire, the faction as a whole? Mm-hmm. Uh, my opinion is that if it had either the two eclipses or the Galaxy Gun or the World Devastators, I would have found it more believable. I think mm-hmm. that Thrawn had known of the Dark Empire that he would have worked with it. And he does have a question for uh, previous topics. If, well, but let, if you wanna... let's, let's handle these ones first. Yeah. I, I like the Dark that. Empire as a faction. Um, it's a cool idea. I mean, it, I don't think Palpatine came back this way in The Rise of Skywalker. It seems like he's still in his original body somehow, but we do get the scene of the cloning tanks as well, so it's possible. Um, yeah, it seems more like he reconstituted it yeah. on Bis yeah. or on, on Exegol. Yeah. Uh, Have you ever seen The Iron in, Giant? No. No. Okay, never mind. Well, there's a scene at the end of The Iron Giant where he gets hit by a nuke, and then, like, I think he's destroyed, but then you see, like, it showed earlier that he's got like really incredible regenerative powers. So it shows like mm-hmm. each like individual little screw like bouncing down the road towards like his uh well, just like towards the central place. So like just like imagine like Palpatine's like third pube just like floating through space. Like what if Palpatine was a Jedi? It's possible. There we go. Well, it's not really possible, but how is it not possible? His second his uh, great 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 grandmother on his mom's side was because he's not made of giant worms. He kind of is, like especially in uh, parts of the original release <laughs> six, where his face has like that one little section that kind of made of a giant worm face. when he gets knocked out of that uh, cloning tube. I'll tell you that. Hmm? I'm sorry. I'm just really uh, really focused on that scene. <laughs> I've had it in my head since I first read the the, the comics. Like whenever, it's just. Uh, but yeah, what do you think of the I idea feel... of like a resurgent of like a new darker empire, like led by Palpatine? I think I think it shows a good contrast with like the rest of the empire, where it's like this is the distilled, gross Sith cult essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the rest kind of just continued on with the authoritarian angle, but without the the Sith magic. Yeah. So I, I think it's handled well and just showing us like those two parts of the Empire when they're no longer connected, what ends up happening. Mm-hmm. And there were still like dark side dark side cults within the Empire, but yeah. never obviously the same amount of control that they had with uh with when Palpatine was like directly in charge. Mm-hmm. But uh but yeah. Yeah. With like, <coughs> Dark Empire, I, I like the idea of Palpatine just like, and this is mostly like stuff in reference books, but I like the idea of him like wanting to move past like just owning a galaxy. He's like, he wants total domination of everything, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not like it's nuanced or anything. <laughs> no. No, this is like, 
Star Wars at its most over the top. Yes. And super weapons, I can always live with less. Mm-hmm. So, or fewer. Yeah, and we've got more to come. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, There's just so many of them. Yeah. Did you say he had, he had other questions about uh, the last book uh, as Yeah. So, uh, on the courtship of Princess Leia, why did the Empire never invade the Hapes Cluster to gain access to technology for the kind of command? Uh, mm. Seems like something they would have loved. Hapens were pretty... Insular. Yeah. It's probably, just too much effort to try to take them over when they're so yeah. disconnected. Especially when like the rebels start popping up and it's like, okay, you're going to need a few sector fleets to go fight the Hapens. And that means that like whatever planet those were guarding is now going to be ripe for a rebel incursion. So it's like, yeah, it's, they don't really, they're not aggressive. Um, they kind of just keep to themselves. They don't have that much territory, really. Um, the Hapes cluster is basically the North Sentinel Island of... Yeah, so just leave it to Even its own 11. devices and kind of like or similar to what die. they did with like the CSA. Um, yeah, CSA huts. There's a lot of those other areas that were like independent administrative mm-hmm. regions. Uh, as long as they weren't really a threat to Palpatine's rule or control over other areas, mm-hmm. he still hadn't completely taken over everything else. Maybe if it had gone on longer, because mm-hmm. uh, it had only been like 20 years. That yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Galaxy's a big place. And I, what did was it difficult for ships to get through the uh, the veil as well, or the um, the? Uh, I think it was just there were hazards, and it was especially just because the Hapens knew how to get around better, uh, and there were a lot of raiders. It's just that ghostfish does say the Empire did patrol Hapes. That's how Hapes stole dozen of ISDs. I'm pretty sure that was mostly outside of the transitory or like the outskirts of it. It was never like within yeah because uh, within actual we get territory. That, um, the teshik thing from yeah essential guide to warfare and he goes to hapes with the task force and he gets blown the fuck up yeah he's on like an outer hapen world too he's not even oh is he oh, okay Hapen's, yeah it's uh andalia okay i think it is i gotta say that scene where he's floating in space and he describes like the battle dragon coming up beneath him is like some of the best imagery um, mm-hmm. in star wars uh, that just I think we've both done videos on that recently yeah because I'm a bum. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, go ahead. Did I was going to say, I'm also doing a video on that last part of his first question. Uh, do you think had Thrawn known about the Dark Empire, would have worked with it? Yeah. I don't think he would have. Let's I'm leave doing a video it. on that. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, so either. I've done kind of a video. I, I don't think so. I'm excited to see yours, though. Uh... Uh, we did get emails from Joel, where Joel is basically talking about uh, the similarities between uh, Dark Empire and the sequel trilogy, and then the importance of Dark Empire, which I think we've kind of mostly mm-hmm. covered. Uh, so thanks for the email, Joel. But thanks, I Joel. think we covered a lot of these. And then one more email from Mohammed, uh, who noticed something about Kabarak, where... Uh, the pronunciation one of the pronunciations you could use with it is cab or i'm gonna do this poorly but Mm -hmm. uh he's saying in arabic that sounds like the phrase that means to inform or give news oh that's appropriate in the story (laughs) leia said that it would be cabarak's role to inform the nobody about the lady vader uh knows on as he used stand-ins for real world politics and novels before including those in the middle east so there's a chance this could have been intentional 
if it wasn't, it's still really cool. It sounds like more than just a chance, probably. Yeah, because there, there's a lot of stuff he that Timothy Dunn does does like that. So I'd be more surprised if it was just a coincidence mm-hmm. if that's the case. Yeah, and the good thing about Timothy Zahn is if you email him, he'll probably answer you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it feels like, it did feel weird to try to rank this the same way we've done everything else. I was just about so, to say that. I, I yeah. feel like maybe we'll keep this its own thing. Yeah. I definitely enjoyed this a lot less than, you know, Thrawn Trilogy. I'm not looking for, I mean, I enjoy them, but yeah. I like the idea of Dark Empire a lot more than the execution. Mm-hmm. I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't hate them. Uh, I don't love them. I think there's a lot of cool ideas in here, but some of the execution is just yeah, uh, strange. It's, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but still, it's fun. I mean, it's a comic. Comics are, you know, I'm not saying that they're lesser art or anything, because they're not, but they, you know, I have, a, I have different ex- expectations when I read most Star Wars comics. The plot moves at different speed. Um, mm-hmm. and they get a lot done in this, so yeah, yeah. I I've never been a huge comic guy, but like the Me I actually like the legacy comics uh, uh, a bit more than this, just yeah. aesthetically. There but... there are definitely better comics, like the Rogue Squadron comics are better. I think mm-hmm. the I like the X or the uh, Crimson Empire comics better. We'll cover those at some point, I'm sure, and they tie in with this slightly. So Crimson Empire one mm-hmm. anyway. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's it. I think that's it. So, Corey and I, everyone watching on YouTube right now, or if you're listening on the podcast, here's what you missed out on. Corey and I will be streaming each um, his new Empire at War mod, Fall of the Republic. Um, I've got links to Corey's channel down in the description, I think. Let me just double check. Yeah, so it's the gaming channel, uh, the second one there. We'll be playing Father Republic, or you can check out mine, which is youtube.com slash x2. Um, and yeah, thanks everyone for watching. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Not next week, but the week after. Um, barring any weird scheduling issues, we will be doing Dark Empire 2. Is that still the plan? Yeah, uh, yeah I'm going to be uh, in my hometown, but I should be able to set up properly with my laptop. Okay. I, just, I probably won't be able to do face cam like I normally That's do, fine. which no one's seeing right now on the live stream because uh, you don't have access to that on mine. So and then Empire's End is pretty short. Maybe we'll just take a week between that. Well, we we can talk yeah. about it. Um, well, there all the comics are fairly short. So yeah, there's only uh, two issues of Empire's End though, isn't there? Uh, is there? I think I, it's not as long as the others, but uh, even if it were exactly the same length, it's yeah, this is like a an hour read at the most. I think I've read it just six times through during the episode. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, there's only two issues. So we'll probably just take a week between that. And then we're not sure what we'll do after. We could do Ice Arts Revenge. We could do Jedi Academy Trilogy. We could go back and maybe do like episode. I think we talked about doing Revenge of the Sith novelization maybe. We're not sure. Um, so if you guys have any ideas, make sure to send us an email. It is tapcaf transmissions. That's T-A-P-C-A-F transmissions at gmail.com. Also, if you have any uh, comments about this uh, comic or the next one leave those as well and uh, we'll discuss them on stream bye everyone goodbye <laughs>